This podcast is supported by Patreon. You can show your support on patreon.com slash toadsanime and get four early episodes a month for just a few bucks. Plus it helps Ryan buy Digimon toys. Alternatively, spend it on something more important. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Toad on Games podcast. Um, a weekly podcast featuring guests from the video game industry where we talk about mostly video games, but sometimes food or frogs or in this case i'm sure horror films um with me today i have paul from fossil games do you want to say hello and a little bit about who you are and what you do yeah hello everyone i'm paul i'm one half of fossil games we're only a small two-man studio um that basically make horror games uh in in pixel art so yeah hello everyone hello hello i love um I'm all, the, the great thing about indie games and sort of, I guess, brands in general is I'm always unsure when you see Twitter accounts and they will use the plural we. I'm like, is it a we or is it one person? I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> so I was like, is this maybe off of games? I wasn't sure. No, no, no. There, there are two of us. However, the other guy kind of shuns the limelight. So I, I'm the <laughs> one that's forced to speak to everyone. Oh, dear. Poor, poor you. Oh, it's all right. It's all right, isn't it? We get to talk about hard stuff. It's good. It's all good. <laughs> It's all good. I can, I can think of worse ways to spend an evening. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, as you said, like Fossil Games, uh, I guess um, I'm not wrong in assuming that so far it's all been hot. Like, because your Twitter bio, for example, will say that you're a retro inspired, you, you make retro inspired pixel art games. Yeah. Um, but so far, the, the two you've worked on are horror. Are you sort of are you sort of sticking to horror? Or is it just that the two you've made so far happen to be horror games? For now, yes. Um, horror's kind of our thing. Um, that's how uh, Josh and I both met is uh, is horror films and, and retro gaming. So yeah, for now it's is definitely horror horror games and who knows what we might do in the future. Yeah. I, I love that. I mean, um as we as I said before we started this podcast we're going like ho- I'm big on horror. Like I absolutely adore horror. Awesome. Um, my partner is a big horror fan. Like one of the main cuz he's not a gamer funny enough. Um okay. one of the main things we have um, in common is like our complete love of horror like we will watch Excellent. absolutely everything um which is obviously a shame as we're recording during the pandemic and there haven't been that many new ones this year very sad uh, but have um, you seen host yet i have seen host i what have seen host think? i thought it was okay i thought <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought i thought it was interesting i thought it was interesting um i like to see horror films that use like a new sort of dynamic like things yeah, like definitely. that and things like unfriended and um even the old paranormal activity that used like the xbox connect yes. as a horror mechanic was kind of interesting yeah definitely no i thought it was all right it was all right it was okay my favorite horror film the year so far is um the invisible man didn't think that was going to be as good as it was well, i guess you could say it's a thriller but for me like horror no, thriller, i think i think it it treaded that line really well and yeah i'd agree yeah it's 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 pretty scary stuff that was a bloody good film. I wasn't expecting. If if anyone listening to this happens to be interesting in horror and hasn't seen that film, absolutely watch that film. Like that film surprised me in how good that film was. I think the um, first the first few minutes, you know, where where you're kind of understanding what's going on, the the dread that's inside you at that point is just it's out mm. of this world. Yeah, 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 and obviously it's based on like a classic uh, IP, I suppose. But the way they twist that is um is is marvelous and. Um, yeah, it, that that is just a really solid film. It's like one of my favorite like horror slash thrillery films of the last few years. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's by it's by the same guy that did um, Insidious. Is it Lee Wanell? Mm. He came up with that weird take on it. The, the man is a bit of a genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah, really great stuff. There's, I, I, I feel like, uh, don't worry, guys. We'll get back to games in a minute. But I feel <laughs> like, I feel like, um, like horror has actually had a really good ten years. Like I feel like during the nineties and noughties, it wasn't great. But yeah. Since the twenty tens, like there were a lot of really good horror films in the twenty tens. Yes. Yeah, definitely. It was a great decade for it. Um, would you say your sort of your games are inspired by horror in a general way, or are you more like focused on? Do you take inspiration more from sort of like eighties horror films, or, or? Um, it's I'd say it's more nineteen eighties horror uh, to be honest, because that's what we were brought up on. Um, yeah. I, I can remember being 12, 13 years old and watching uh, Nightmare on Elm Street three on a, a top-loading VHS at about three o'clock in the morning where my parents wouldn't hear me and just being, oh, my God, you know, I found I found the thing that I was really into. So, yeah, the kind of 1980s horror is, is, is where it all kicked off for us. I love that. And I guess that's sort of like the peak period for sort of slashes and stuff as well, which, oh, definitely. which really fits in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, unlike for me, my the first horror film I ever remember watching was... Um, ghost ship <laughs> so, oh really <laughs> not, not as great a start um but uh, obviously i've obviously gone and watched like all the 80s classics and whatnot um i think very recently um we we got a, a shining throw for the bed which is nice oh nice, hopefully in nice. the future our sort of plan is in the future when we get our own place that we're gonna have like glass cabinets up with just like lots of nightmare on Elm street merch and like lots of cool like classic horror merch and all of it um that As I say, he's not into, yeah, he's not, my, my partner isn't that in, he's not, he's sort of more of a casual game. He doesn't really play it much. So I can't like deck the whole house out with video game stuff. <laughs> I think I'll have to, I'll have to have a room for it, obviously. Yeah, um, of course. But that's like the one thing like, oh, great horror. We can have horror stuff everywhere. That's great. Brilliant. It'll do. That'll do. Um, but I, I guess we should sort of go into saying that the, the, your, you previously released Camp Sunshine. Yes. Um, which is a sort of 16-bit horror uh, RPG, I suppose. Um, and was that that was PC only? It moment? was PC and Mac, yeah. PC and Mac. Okay, cool. Um, and then, obviously, at the moment, you're you're working on Sunshine Manor. Yes. Uh, which is a prequel. It is. To that game. It is. Marvelous. Um, would you say that you would you would have to play the previous game to play Sunshine Manor? Uh, no, not really. Um, it, obviously, Camp Sunshine was very much kind of a, a tribute to to Jason Voorhees and you know Friday the Thirteenth. Whereas Sunshine Manor is kind of going off on the the From Beyond route, the more Clive Barker mm-hmm. stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a little more grim, um, which is why it's a little more cartoony. Because we kind of mm-hmm. I like the the offset of the the outrageously offensive horror. With the kind mm-hmm. of cute characters, where you kind of yeah, it's not quite right. It doesn't sit quite right, and I think that works really well. But no, you you don't need to play Camp Sunshine. Cool. That's that's. I mean, I will anyway. But that's but that's good to know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess with this one, you've sort of gone back to sort of a more eight uh, bit look. And yes. For the record, like I I like that. It looks it looks really good. Nice. Um, thank you very much. Was there a reason why you switched from like 16-bit to 8-bit? Purely for the fact that um, Sunshine Manor is a prequel to Camp Sunshine, and Camp Sunshine Ah. is 16-bit. So we're we're going back in time, so therefore we thought, well, how could we go back visually? And, well, it was going 8-bit. 
and uh, and we tried it out and it was far more freaky than we kind of thought it would be we thought it might be a little kind of a little dull but really working hard to kind of get the graphics working in 8-bit and then making them scary is kind of a is a talent unto itself and uh, and Josh mm. did really really well on that stuff so yeah mainly because it's a it's a prequel is we're going 8-bit yeah, so so for the sequel, we can look forward to some PS One era low poly graphics. I'm sure. <laughs> yes, we shall see. Yeah, talk, obviously, you know there there are um, we've bandied this around for a while, but there are three parts to the story. So mm-hmm. we 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 started straight in the middle, and then we worked. We're now working on the prequel, and then we're going to finish everything off uh, in the future with with the third part of the 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 trilogy, which you have to have Ooh. in all horror film franchises. Of course, you always have to have a part three. <laughs> yeah, of course you do. Um, of course, um, I, I really like that. Yeah, that's 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 great. And um, uh, for for pixel games specifically, like I do feel getting that sort of scare factor across is um, is difficult because, as you say, like the limitations of that that art style, yes, um, obviously makes that difficult. Um, but I do think that going for sort of the cutesy characters that are creepy and and scary stuff comes from that is a really good approach to that. Yeah, we we kind of we we did toy around with with other ways. Obviously, with with games like Faith that came out, you know, a little mm-hmm. while ago, and I think the sequels due any minute as well. Mm-hmm. They they were truly terrifying games. They were they were nasty, but really good. Um, <laughs> and obviously, we we could have gone that route and and kind of been a bit more realistic. But it was the minute that Josh had finished Ada, the the hero of of Sunshine Manor. And we kind of thought, well, we want to look after her now because she looks really nice. <laughs> and poor old Ada is going to see some pretty horrendous things happening around her. So it kind of made us a bit more protective and a bit, you know, you're in that scary situation where you've got to look after somebody and, and your actions are kind of, you're dictating the fate of this character. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. I guess, I guess I hadn't really ever thought of the concept of a developer sort of creating a character in a horror game and becoming attached to them and then feeling like almost sorry for the horrible things they're going to do to this character. Oh man alive. Yeah. We're, we're sorry. (laughs) That's all we can say. (laughs) Ada is going to see some horrendous, horrendous things. Oh my goodness. Um, and, uh, this, this game, I I guess, um, I guess we should, I don't know whether we said or not, it isn't out yet. Um, And you're aiming for sort of, I guess October thirty first next year. Are yes. you like absolutely glued to that, or is it just yes. like an ideal? No, we're absolutely glued to it. So we, we've been working on this one for a year and a half, maybe nearly two, um, mm. and then yeah, next year um, we have everything in place, ready to go. So all we need to do is actually knuckle down and, and finish it now. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. That's the that's the good bit. That's the fun bit. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah ryan that's my yeah, favorite that, that's bit. hard work <laughs> um and you actually are bringing it to kickstarter soon if i'm if i'm not mistaken yeah we are um depending when this goes out it might be live already uh but i think mm-hmm. it's i might be spoiling it and i might get told off but oh well um 7th of october is when we hit uh kickstarter um and yeah we're we're physically coming um to a lot of consoles, a lot of mm. handheld stuff, and a lot of physical stuff, and it's all very exciting. Yeah, that's what I find really 
really exciting about it is that um obviously on your like on your like temporary Kickstarter page, I suppose it says that you're bringing it to obviously because the first game only came to PC, yep. but this one's coming to Switch and PS4 and Xbox One, um, and that you're aiming for a physical release. Um, yes, that's that's sick. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's, it's all done and dusted. The physical release is happening, um, which oh. is why we need to knuckle down and finish this game so they can actually <laughs> get it onto the cartridges uh, and, and yeah, and get it out to people. So yeah, oh, it's, uh, the the good thing actually is is that people who haven't played Camps and Shine, um, both games are actually coming on a single cut for the mm. Nintendo ten, uh, for the Nintendo Switch. So mm-hmm. you're getting both games. Yeah, that's ideal. For, I mean, I'll. I, truth be told i haven't played Ken sunshine yet so that that would be absolutely ideal for me if you're gonna if there's gonna be a physical switch version that's like well that's like my thing yeah um, good uh, it's ours too it's always been a dream for us to actually get a box um you mm-hmm. know back when we used to buy games and where well, we used to beg our parents to buy us games where they were you know on shelves in boxes and for for things like the amiga 500 and stuff like that um mm-hmm having a physical thing in your hand that kind of represents what you've made has always been a dream. And, um, yeah, now it's, now it's happening, which is very weird, <laughs> but very, very yeah. cool. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, obviously in my, my, my full-time job is, um, uh, I, I guess I don't want to plug it too much, but my full-time job is related to, um, bringing games physically to the switch. Yeah. And for a lot of developers that we speak to, like, it's obviously great to have a little bit of a cash boost from a physical release. Um, but it is mostly just that they want a physical version of their game. Like they, they, they remember growing up with physical games. That's how they grew up with them. They want a physical version of their own game in their hands. And that's like the main reason they want it. Yeah. It's just that, it's just that kind of little nail on it all the, you know, you've done all right. You've, you've made a physical game. You can kind of rest easy. And, mm. uh, and yeah, I think when we get it, we might have a, a mini meltdown. <laughs> A mini meltdown. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I guess, are you personally going to have to be, uh, I'm very much assuming here, and I'm, I do feel free to tell me to shut up, but assuming that the physical stuff is going to be part of the Kickstarter, um, are you personally going to have to be involved in the logistics of, of, of sending it out and stuff? No. Thankfully, no. We've, Thank goodness. Yeah, we've partnered with some really, really cool people um, who have got experience with it, who know what they're doing, uh, have mm-hmm. done it before, uh, and will be doing it after us as well. Um, so, yeah, it's all all in place with people who actually know what they're doing rather than us looking at the screen and going, I have no idea. <laughs> so, yeah, these, these people are professionals and we're leaving it to them. That very much kind of gives people, I mean, that's great for you, obviously, because you can just focus on developing and, and nothing yeah. else, which I think is always, that's always great for developers to have to do, because I feel like a lot of the problems in the um, dev space is they focus on making the game and after that go, oh shit, like we've, the marketing and the, and the if it's physical, like we've got to sort of all the logistics of that, and that's always really complicated and takes up a lot of time. So it's good that you can just completely focus on them. Um, yeah, we, it, it's kind of all happened around us, which is really, really nice. We we um, are, are um, we, we have a company that basically you know markets the game and things like that, looks after it. We've got one in uh, who is is managing the logistics and the shipping, one who's managing manufacturing. So yeah, all we have to do is write the music, draw the stuff, and make the things happen mm. on the screen, and that's kind of it. Awesome. And that and that's fine by me. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, that seems like the perfect scenario for a developer to. To just be able to develop. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, exactly, um, exactly. 
Yeah, and I guess for, for on the consumer end of things, like knowing for people for for potential backers, knowing that all of that logistical stuff is handled by someone by people that do that all the time. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like it's they're not they don't feel like it's risky like they're backing an indie developer and oh I wonder if they'll be able to sort of like it's done, it's sorted. These yeah, exactly. I think if I, if I was if I was backing an in um or am backing indie games, I always kind of tend to look who's shipping, who's sorting it out, just so you know there's there's a bit of faith in there rather than i promise you i'll get this to you by october no you know mm. the, the fact is we've got deadlines to meet now we're we're mm-hmm. we're in the real world making this game and it's not just a little thing we're doing for fun it's a mm-hmm. thing that other people are now waiting for us to do yeah yeah absolutely i feel that for a lot of um uh, indie kickstars like they 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 don't really understand the logistical side of it all and so they they will be they'll put up rewards as an example for a physical release mm. and then only after the fact realize how incredibly difficult that logistical stuff is um i'm fairly certain i've backed games um like that and don't have <laughs> yeah, don't no, have I mean, yeah me too yet. me too it's it obviously we've sat in on a lot of kind of zoom calls and skype calls you know sorting all of this out and it's it's terrifying to kind of mm. get into the the nitty-gritty of, of sorting it out so we're quite happy that we can hold our hands up and go, nope, not as, you know, when, you, when you've when yeah. when you you've put your pledge, um, you put your pledge through, there's a full tracking system in place. You're going to be told when it's left. You're going to be told where it is. So you can actually, you know, keep an eye on your order. And, you know, we're, we're using Backer Kit, for example. So, and they've been really cool with us to do things like uh, digital rewards and codes. So, yeah, everything is kind of managed by people that know a lot more than we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really great to hear. I think it's it's one of those things that when people see a Kickstarter or if people see social media accounts being run or something, it's one of those areas of the industry that I don't think consumers understand fully and expect it to be really easy. Like, oh, you just type some words, Kickstarter, band done. Um, and it so isn't. Like, it often requires literally months of planning, like even occasionally from the, the very beginning. Um, so it's like this huge endeavour. Um, and yeah, very glad to hear that that's, that's not going to be your problem <laughs> well yeah obviously we want to kind of oversee it because it is mm-hmm. as and our, our little logos on the box so yeah. you know we are responsible for it but we we've picked the people that we think will do the best job brilliant that's cool yeah i, I mean i mean i'm really looking forward to that kick so i will absolutely have to back whatever the pledge is for that physical release of um the two games on the cart that sounds um yeah in the in the physical the physical edition uh, we have obviously both games in a in a box in a Nintendo Switch mm-hmm. box. There is a limited edition cover that's designed by the guy that did the original Nightmare on Elm Street poster, which mm-hmm. is just bonkers because that's I've got beautiful. that I've got that poster in my house uh, and I've got <laughs> his art books and I bought them years ago. Yeah, you know, even the limited edition art book I bought that too. And now we had a call with him. Uh, last week it was to talk about it and I was honestly a bit starstruck and couldn't kind of cope <laughs> and you know I'm not, I'm not a spring chicken I'm, I'm nearly 42 but being that kind of oh my god I remember all of your stuff all of your posters um, it was just yeah it's out of this world so he's doing the limited edition cover for the kickstarter oh, nice. uh, and then we have what else do we have we have uh, oh the soundtrack is on cassette mm-hmm. Oh, which is well, it's nineteen eighties, so it has yeah. to be. It has to be. 
Uh, and obviously the soundtrack, we, we write all the music as well. Um, that's mm-hmm. part of my day job. Uh, so obviously massively inspired by Joel Carpenter and stuff like that. So it's coming on cassette as well as digital downloads and stuff. That's fine. We have um, 1980s sweatbands in the box, uh, one in neon pink and one in neon blue to help you when you're panicking like crazy. At least you'll be able to, to cool down a little bit. Uh, oh, what else? T- oh, and the whole thing as well comes in a, in a double feature VHS case. Nice. Um, with proper distressed artwork and oh, it's, just, it's a thing of beauty. I'll, I'll send you an image, and uh, and yeah, it's it's impressive. <laughs> yeah, that sounds amazing. Um, how on earth did you get in touch with the Nightmare on M Street artist? Uh, just purely sending a wish list uh, emails out to to people that we thought if we could, who would we do? And he replied. Uh, his, name, his name's Graham Humphreys, and he replied and couldn't quite believe that it was him that was replying. Uh, but then we got chatting and kind of talking about the stuff that, that we liked of his. We He had saw the game, tried it out, uh, and kind of was in. And uh, and the amazing thing is with him, he, he it's none of, it, none of it is digital. It's still painted. Mm. So the artwork is we're going to get on a canvas, um, which is just nuts. Yeah, oh wow, that does sound that sounds like something I could definitely actually end up roping my partner in then. Maybe I could convince him with that because that's like his favourite franchise. Well there um, you go, you see. Part horror, part it. gaming. It's the perfect I couple. Love it. That is it. Um yeah, awesome. That sounds that's that sounds incredible. Um I would definitely have to grab that. Um yeah, awesome. I mean, for for, for, for those listening, we are recording before the Kickstarter actually has gone live, but it will be live now. It, it will be live now, so go check it out. Um so I haven't seen it yet, but I will after this recording. Isn't time weird? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, awesome. I, I'm actually going to have to back there. That sounds that sounds incredible. Um, I, I guess you're releasing the uh, Camp Sunshine for consoles as well. Then, if 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 yes, cartridge is going to include both of them. Yeah, the the whole thing is uh, is is moving to a new home. So we'll obviously still do, you know, PC and Mac and and Steam OS and things like that. But yeah, we're we're also going to Xbox and PlayStation and Switch. I love it, exciting stuff. Um, I guess there's kind of like a revival of this 2D horror scene recently because I haven't played it, but games like World of Horror and I guess you mentioned Faith. Yeah. So I'm seeing a few, uh, nowhere near as many as I'd like, <laughs> but I'm well, seeing yeah. a few start to 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 pop up, which is interesting. I think it's, we've obviously had a glut of, of kind of, you know, the, the 3D first-person horror games. Mm. Um, and I think people my age and Josh's age and, you know, and maybe your age too um, are kind of seeing this and going, actually, you know, maybe it's something I could get involved with as well. And that, mm. that's the reason we did Camp Sunshine. We never did it to make money. We never did it to, to become rich and famous because I would have quit immediately. <laughs> Uh, but we did it because we wanted to make a game. Well, we in fact, we wanted to make the Friday the 13th SNES game as mm. if it was a modern-day game, and that's how it started. Um, so, yeah, I think people are kind of getting involved with it now with, you know, well, I can I can draw this stuff. I can make mm-hmm. this stuff move, and I'm really into 80s horror, which is just fantastic. Mm. Did Kemp Sunshine literally start as a fan game? Was it literally a... 
the, the reason I began coding it was because I wanted to see if I could make a better game than Friday the 13th on the SNES. <laughs> and, uh, and well, I'm not sure whether we did, <laughs> but it, it was pretty good. We, I, we were quite impressed with what we did. And uh, and when we released it, it, it sold pretty well, which was just a massive surprise to both of us. We thought it was one of those things that we could kind of tick off a list. Oh, we've made a game. Tick. And then mm. um, lo and behold, we kind of did all right. And now we're... we're we were being asked to make this the prequel. That's that's always a really interesting story here. Um, it's sort of my favorite thing about indie games is that there's no hundreds of members of staff. There's no investors. There's there's none of that. Yep. It's just I want to make this, and then yeah. you do, and it's like oh we made we made money for me. That's also good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's the the kind of. I really like narrative games and it seems like indie games are really doing it well at the minute. Mm. Uh, we mm-hmm. played, uh, me and my, my wife, we played um, Spiritfarer the other week mm. and played it from yeah. start to finish because we were just utterly gripped by the story. But if that was taken to, you know, a triple A publisher, they'd probably sneer their, you know, sneer their nose and kind of go, no, you know, there's not enough monetization on it. You, it's kind of a single player experience. And when you've played it once, you're done you're finished. Mm-hmm. The, the story's the same every time. But it was a properly engrossing experience for both of us. We, we Every single night we played it for three or four hours a night. Yeah. I mean, that is exactly my kind of game still. So it's... I think it always shocks people that I work in the video game industry and um, you know, I've been a journalist and, and I, I guess now I'm sort of a little bit more behind the scenes, but, but that I am absolutely not interested at all in like online games i don't really play online games i don't really play mmo games um nope. i don't play games as a service i'm not interested in like subscription services and all that sort of stuff so it's like uh, i just want to play a game and finish a game and go that was great um, yeah i i really like the the kind of you're at the almost at the mercy of the of the person telling the story and mm. it, it's similar to watching a movie, you know, but except you get some kind of decision as to to what's happening in what order and when. And mm-hmm. um, it's a real experience. And when the game's done, you're kind of just left and it's maybe a bit empty. You you kind of, you know, something's lost at the end of the game. I think that's the mark of a really good game. Yeah, absolutely. And even for me at that end, what I do, um, and I think I mentioned this in previous previous podcasts, but when I finish a game, after I finish the game, I really dive into it in, in, in other ways. So I will go and read tons of reviews on that game. I yeah. I will I will go and watch speed runs. I will watch walkthroughs. I will watch like analysis videos. And I will just like sink myself into I, I will download wallpapers. So I have some wallpapers in my... I, I will go and check it out. I, I, will, I will go and buy the soundtracks. I can put the soundtrack on my phone. And, and I do all that sort of after the fact. I yeah. kind of really yeah. dive into a game afterwards. Um yeah definitely so to me, when i finish a game it's not like completely done and over and goodbye um it's sort of you know like this experience that i can kind of suck a little bit more blood out of <laughs> yeah definitely I, I completely agree i think it's it's a real it's, it's quite rare when you get those experiences with a game where mm. you want more and and you're kind of finding it for yourself rather than being fed well you know upgrade your character now for 9.99 and you can have superpowers well mm-hmm. It's. I, I like the game that it's this kind of contained little package that you receive and you do with it what you want, and then it's mm. kind of out of the developer's hands as long as the story is is good. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, that's the kind of experience I really I really appreciate. 
and I've been trying to play like speaking personally I've been trying to just get through more games in the last in the last year or so and like a lot sh- mostly short ones I have no problems with like open world non-linear games but I just don't yeah, yeah, yeah. many of them um, so I have mostly just been just pumping through so many indie games um, just to finish stuff you know and um, and that's what I've been really appreciating in the, in the last year or so yeah, it's it, the with the one we've just picked up is it? I think it's called Welcome to Elk, um, mm-hmm. which is is new. But again, it's it's a single person kind of telling a story, and uh, and yeah, we're into it. In fact, we'll be playing it immediately as I'm, I'm finished talking to you. <laughs> it's just one of those kind of nice activities where you've got a story being presented to you, you've got some semblance of control over it, and mm-hmm. uh, and it's kind of a crafted experience rather than like an MMO, which you know I used to play years ago you're kind of left to your own devices. I like the, mm-hmm. the you're taking part in a narrative. Yeah. So it's, I guess it's like, uh, I guess it's not, I guess there are a lot of games that are kind of like not quite open world, not quite linear, but it's like this nice little in between bit where you yeah. can kind of walk your own narrative sort of. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. You kind of take your own experience away from it. Hmm. That's good. Yeah. I like those kind of games. Um, I definitely need to dive into, I need to dive into spirit fair actually. Oh, um, should up. Like I've been it's looking a, that up a lot. It's a bit of a heart wrencher. Oh gosh, <laughs> it's good. It's really, really good. Yeah, that I will need to check out. Um, my backlog is upsetting, to be honest, though. Yeah, um, mine too. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I mean, we spoke of Faith and World and World of Horror earlier. I've not, I haven't played them yet. Um, I, I need to. I need to play both of them. Um, in fact. The, the developer of Faith should be on this podcast at some point in the future. There you go. There's a little podcast exclusive, I guess. Yeah, I need yeah, to play yeah. it first. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that, that is a scary, scary experience. Because uh, is it 2-bit? Is it 4-bit? I, I can't remember. Ooh. But it's... Yeah, I guess. Yeah. It's the basically the kind of... It sounds really... Um, it sounds really up myself when I say it this way, but I, I, don't, I can't think of another way to say it. But kind of the... the dichotomy between the really rudimentary graphics and then all of a sudden you get this kind of outline version that's almost full motion video mm-hmm. that it just unnerves you and that there are loads of points in the original one where i had to turn it off because it was just Ooh. it was too much <laughs> it was really good really good i guess that's what i've always liked about having grown up my sort of era of uh, video games was the PS1. That was like my first home console. Okay. I grew up on like DOS, DOS PC games before that, but PS1 was my first home console. Um, and the thing I've always really appreciated about, whether it's 2D or 3D is irrelevant, but the thing I've always appreciated about really um, um, sort of older graphics and stuff is the way I've always explained it is that horror isn't like this pretty looking thing. Like as a concept, horror isn't pretty. It's not this this gorgeous high definition thing it's ugly and it's twisted and you're not really meant to kind of understand what it is properly and and that's why i think pixel pixel games and like low poly 3d games and that sort of graphical art style works so well with horror like i can't imagine them remaking the original silent hill for example in new like 4k hd graphics and it having anywhere near the same effect no i i can remember playing silent hill 2 i think it was maybe one i, I can't remember where you where you have to go under the lake at the end of the mm-hmm. game and it obviously you know it was low poly to what is available now but that was terrifying truly in fact actually it was the first time i ever got a dolby sound system in my house 
and I tried <laughs> it out with that game, and yeah, <laughs> I, I wasn't doing that again any time soon after that. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Do you know what? Like one one problem for me is I think because I started experiencing horror so early. Yeah. Um, I was I was so in. I've always been into it. Like as a th- thematically, even when I was really little, like I would Halloween was my my thing. I would buy like lots of Halloween toys and like skeletons and stuff. I like it was my absolute thing. Yeah. Um. I I remember I was like drawing comics when I was like eight once in school, and it was like dinosaurs eating someone. I think I was playing Dino Crisis, <laughs> and um and the teachers like co- like spoke to my mum was like we're a bit concerned about this. He's like drawing these gory comics, and it was just like I wasn't like. <laughs> disturbed i was just really into this stuff yeah, and, um, yeah. i the way I, I i mean perhaps my parents shouldn't have let me play scary games and watch scary stuff but but they did and um and i i've i've always thought that because of that um that may be the reason that i don't feel any amount of fear from horror stuff which is which is a shame i think because i feel like i am missing out on a part of an experience um like i just i don't jump at things I, I i don't feel i still absolutely adore them i love them i have a great time with them and get a lot out of them but like actually feeling scared it just doesn't happen yeah i, th- I think there's definitely two kind of categories with horror games you've got the you've got the ones that are kind of set out for jump scares uh, and and to create a reaction quite quickly out of people mm. where you're you're just loud or you know it's the same vein in horror movies at the moment the the jump scare is kind of the bane of a really good horror movie um mm. and then you've got horror movies like in more recent ones like hereditary i don't know if you've seen hereditary mm-hmm. which yep. is just this insidious nightmare of a film where not much happens but what does happen kind of leaves you with this feeling of unease and mm. and that's the camp that we kind of sit in where it looks nice and it's you know kind of looks pretty and in the horror movie sense it's shot quite well but the Mm -hmm. stuff that happens sporadically is enough to upset you without screaming at you or you know flashing the screen a million colors to make you jump it's Mm -hmm. more the oh my lord there's you know there's a 16-bit kid that's been crucified on a wall yeah yeah absolutely that's that's why most of my favorite horror films um obviously the last decade or ever i suppose are more like that yeah um so something like it follows which is just like it's oh, beautiful it's, you know, it's such a beautiful film it's like it's just that, that awful tension of of being stalked throughout, throughout that film you know and um one of the scariest scenes i've ever seen in in probably any horror film is the scene where they're at the door chatting and the the, the it follows creature like walks up behind her um in de- describing that it doesn't sound like very much but that scene is so tense because it's just happening is it the old lady that scene it's i think it's like a tall guy it's like oh yeah that's later on yeah yeah i know exactly where you mean now and that's like whoa it's like not a jump scare but it's just like and you will see that you will see the the it follows whatever it is creature throughout the film all the time like walking towards him in the background yeah it's always there not mentioned and it's just always there and it's yeah it's great um (laughs) um yeah, films. But again, I don't really feel any amount of. I, I guess I feel tension, but I don't really ever feel any amount of fear from from those kind of experiences, which is. Yeah, odd. I think fear is, is kind of is it is a difficult one, obviously, with with horror films and kind of where we are now. You know, in twenty twenty, a lot of people have kind of seen it. There, there's been films like Saw, which have kind of 
you know, there's only so many brutal eviscerations that you can see before you kind of go, no, I'm bored of this now. You know, I'll go and find something else. It's the more creepy, insidious, festering kind of sense of unease that we like to leave people with. And that, and that's, Mm. you know, that's where the interesting bit of horror is for us. Obviously, you know, we've still got the scares because you need to, if you're doing a a tribute to 1980s horror movies, but Mm. it's the, the, pervading sense of dread <laughs> that we like to play with quite a lot yeah i love that i absolutely love that stuff um I, strangely like the um the the one thing i think of the most when i think of your games is uh i should probably have remembered what the name of it is before i brought this up so right. PS, <laughs> there was a ps2 game uh, like a really obscure horror ps2 game um uh, oh, the the game I mean is Gregory Horror Show. So there was a, there was a PS2 game called Gregory Horror Show, and it's cartoony characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's really cartoony characters, but it's somehow really creepy and somehow really spooky. Um, and I guess you are like walking around this mansion, and there's sort of all characters all over the place, and and that is a lot scarier to me than uh, a game with just like lots of jump scares and not very much else. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. It's it is that. I wonder what's around the next corner. Uh, mm. And when there's nothing there, you're kind of on edge for the next corner after that, rather than, mm. you know, it's guaranteed that something's going to jump out at you and scare you sideways. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I much prefer that. I am, I'm talking about this now and now I'm worried that I'm going to have to wait till October to play your game. <laughs> uh, we will sort you out. <laughs> <laughs> good. Good. Um, yeah. Great. Um yeah, th- those those are the kind of experiences I, I really appreciate, and um, and that goes for movies and video games. Um, of course, I get a lot out of on on the flip side. Eighties horror is not like this uh, for me, anyway. It's not like this tension building sort of, not in the same way that it follows in Hereditary and stuff. But I get that thrill out of it in a yeah. completely different kind of way. Yeah, they're entirely different. Eighties horror kind of started off with a bit of a you know how can we shock the mainstream. And then mm. turn into a very much how can we shock everybody or shock or top the last film, sorry, that came out before. But yeah. that, that's you know, as I say, I, I can remember watching all of them. I can I think the biggest memory I've got actually is, is my dad sitting with me watching the original fly, you know, the the Jeff Goldblum version. Mm-hmm. And telling me, You wait until he pukes on that guy's arm. <laughs> and that's it's such a strong memory but yeah you know, obviously before before it happened in the movie and just think what on earth is he on about and uh yeah and lo and behold he does and it's horrendous <laughs> there's something about um and i've always found this there's something about being spoiled about something in a film and everyone yeah. assumes that ruins an experience if you if someone someone spoils something to you done the experience is ruined but for me and not that I go out looking for spoilers, but for me, if I'm spoiled on something, I'm almost sitting waiting for it to happen. And there's like a completely different sense of tension with that. So with your dad telling you, you wait till he pukes on his arm, you're like, what? Where? When is <laughs> exactly. it going to ramping it up for you. Mm. I, I don't know if you you know, but there's a, there's a very indie movie called The Sixth Sense. Do you want me to spoil that one for you? What? I've never heard of that. Okay. No, it's rubbish. I wouldn't bother. <laughs> oh. It's it's an interesting thing, horror, really, as a genre, because unlike other genres of games or genres of um, films, it really is, um, it's so broad, because I've, I always find it really strange telling people that I'm a horror fan, because 
it's it's such a wide theme. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's, yeah, you've, yeah, got, yeah. you've got your eighties slashes and you've got your your quiet and sort of creepy films like It Follows and Hereditary. Um and then you've got stuff that really is more thriller. Um because yep. for me in my like a lot of thriller, a lot of things that films will often call thriller, I get exactly the same thing out of those as I would a horror. And so yeah, for definitely. me that line is really blurred. Yeah. Um and um yeah it's just it's just it's just odd that it as as a genre because it's such a broad thing. Some of them are fun and campy, some of them are genuinely terrifying and jump scary, some of them are just tense. I think that that's why it's so great is that it is so wide and all encompassing, mm. and you can have a film that you know starts off as kind of very schlocky and a bit you know over the top, and then it switches gears and turns into something that's you know a bit more disturbing, a bit more slow and creeping, and, and mm. that's why it's so great. I think well, my, my my wife bless her is is probably sick to the back teeth of horror movies, but if there is anything coming out, then I have to watch it because it might be yeah. the thing that kind of twists up the genre you know adds something new into it yeah 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 absolutely um likewise for us like my partner and i will watch everything and i will regularly have on the weekends he'll go right can you find some more horror films for us <laughs> no i can't <laughs> like, well, i'll, I'll we... send you a boatload of recommendations oh please do yeah like i will pick through that like chances are we've seen an awful lot of it but i'm i'm running thin <laughs> well, I, th- I think if anything yeah the, the whole lockdown thing is has kind of expedited our watching of, of horror movies you know tenfold it's been yeah one every night at least when we want when we're not been playing spirit Fairer. that sounds ideal that's what I, that's that's what i need i need to find out some sort of horror game that he will enjoy because he does like if i find a good horror game he will sit and watch it which is good that's more than i can ask for most games and i need some good horror films to spend just the, the, that will cover me for some evenings. You see, I, I might know just the game, but it's not coming out until October next year. Oh, oh. <laughs> and with that wonderful segue, um, I suppose we'll wrap up. And do you want to tell people um, when this goes out, the Kickstarter's live, do you want to tell people where they can find you fossil games um, and all that good stuff? Yeah, we're on um, fossilgames.com, uh, although we don't update it anywhere near as regularly as we should. But on Twitter, we're, we're Fossil Games, uh, and there we'll post a boatload of stuff, work in progress shots, uh, little videos and stuff, you know, movies that we've watched that we thought were pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, Twitter is probably the best place because it's easy. Awesome. Brilliant. And um, yeah, bit of an odd one. As I'm speaking, obviously, I don't have the Kickstarter URL um, because we're recording it before it's gone live. But go check them out on Twitter. Go check out the Kickstarter. Please go back to this game. Um, I personally want it. So that, go do it, yeah? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, there'll be The URL will be in the description. Brilliant, everyone. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks very much. Lovely stuff. And yeah, it was great talking to you. I, um, I always appreciate being able to talk about horror games and horror films and stuff with people. It's, uh, it never gets old. Yeah, me too. Thanks ever so much. I really, yeah, it's been fun. Good. Um, I will take the horror recommendation list off you, though. Yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> that, I'll that. sort you out. I'll sort you out. Don't you worry. Thank you so much for listening to the Toad on Games podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Remember, this podcast is supported by Patreon. That's at www.patreon.com slash toadsanime. Uh, please check it out to support my terrible video game merchandise habit. Um, and of course, you get early access to every single episode. That's four episodes a month, one every week. And a shout out on the podcast. So thank you to Fossil Games, Far Few Giants, Andy Robertson, Chris Wood, Gregory Phillips, Ryan Winter, James Coop, 
Corey Class, Joe Sheedy, Lee Chapman, Thomas, Francesco Limas, I'm so sorry, I'm terrible at names, Robert Cathels, Stephen, EMH Richard, and Gregory Kroll. Thank you so, so much, and I'll catch you on the next episode with a different games industry guest. See you later.